Morning. Um, a few months ago, I mean, as a church, we've always tithed. And a few months ago, we, um, God really challenged us about our tithing and actually adding faith to our tithing. Because when you, when you give, you should always add your faith to it. Because when you add your faith to it, then it actually comes around and you see a return and it becomes this ongoing um, wonderful thing that goes on and on. You're just giving, oh, I should give my tithe, I just give it. Then there's nothing, there's no faith added to it. And it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you should always add faith when you give. And uh, we were actually tight as a church towards the start of this year and things were a little tight all around. And it was, you know, sort of like, okay, this isn't great. And we went to God and said, what's going on? And he challenged us around our tithing, and we were giving, but, and we were tithing, but it wasn't as intentional as what it, what it is now. And so we made a decision um, as a board to really sit down and pray through it, and we decided to give to an organization called Christ for All Nations. Now, Christ for All Nations has been running for 30 years, all right, and so on. Um, it started by a guy called Reinhard Bonke, who's a German guy, who uh, really felt to start um, preaching into Africa. And God's done some amazing things for him in that at the moment in their crusades, and um, he's sort of handing the reins over to a guy called Daniel Kalender, who's sort of taking over that role, and they're evangelists, both of them. Um, But he had a a vision to see all of Africa saved. Um, And they now go and do crusades. They started with using halls, then they went to tents, um, and then they had this big storm come through and wiped out their tent. And this tent held about 15,000 people. And they sort of went, this isn't good, um, until the next day when everyone turned up and there were 100,000 people there. So a 10,000 tent is pretty useless when 100,000 people turn up, right? Okay, they're now seeing every crusade, um, on average, around about a million people, a million decisions, a million people being saved. And that's not just people who are saying, yeah, I want to know Jesus. They're people who are coming up, filling out a card and actually getting connected into a church. It costs them about a million dollars per crusade to do this because the, I mean, what they need to do, you'll see it somewhere, we're going to throw a video, video in a minute, um, just to do this, just the, the logistics of setting up a crusade that does that is quite incredible. And they're seeing miracle after miracle after miracle, and we've shared a couple here. And we really felt that, that we needed to be giving our tithe into them to be able to support them in what they're doing and to sow into that. And the Bible says that as you sow, so you reap. And so we're sowing in to the harvest of souls that we too will see people saved and know Jesus in our city. All right? Um, nothing else really out of that except let's, uh, let's watch the video and we'll go from there. Pretty cool, hey? For a guy who started on the street corner with a guitar. So he was went out on the street corner, played his guitar, people came and he spoke to them. And that's 52 million verified souls. They're people that they can actually track and trace and know where they are and what they're doing. So it's quite incredible. They go into countries where no one else seems to have access. No one else can get in. And, and uh, it took them, I think it was about 8, 10 years to get into Nigeria. Um, they kept getting door shut, door shut, and eventually it opened up. And now, you know, Reinhardt's... Uh, friends with the, the head of the country and they actually come on invitation now and under protection. There's times where they've had to, they've had these crusades, people get saved and they've had to actually just flee afterwards because of the persecution that comes in that place. But whole churches are starting up all over the place because of what they do. And that's what we support, that's what we give into. So um, 
I guess I want to say thanks that we give because it just keeps spinning on and we give to them and we just see them more and more, the impact going there and um, just, you know, they send us emails every every couple of weeks of what's happening in certain places and where they're going and what they're doing and and uh, we'll post some of those on our website and give you links but you can follow them yourself, Christ for All Nations, just go or CFAN, just Google them and they'll come up and you can keep up with what they're doing and the amazing work that's going on, the amazing healings and miracles and and so on is just incredible, and I could stand here all day and tell you stories, but we won't get onto what we're supposed to be doing, so I won't do that, and I'm going to keep moving on. Is that cool? All right. Are you excited? Did that motivate you, or are you just too cold, you're sitting there freezing, going, I've had enough? Because it's like, you know, 52 million souls, and we all sit there, oh yeah. Anyone know the population of Australia? Just over about 22 million. So that's more than double the population of Australia. Perspective, hey? Pretty cool. All right. Hey, it's working. Cool. We're going to talk a little about where we're going in our journey and where we've been, not where we've been, but where we're going, and and the, the vision that God's placed within us and what he has for us. And we've had a vision from the very start of this church to really make an impact on this city. And we want to make an impact on this nation. We didn't want to just be a church sitting in the corner and a bunch of us, you know, having a little Holy Ghost time and hanging out. I mean, that's always good to hang out and have a Holy Ghost time, yeah. But we actually wanted to change lives. Our goal was to, 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 to see souls, to see people come to know Jesus, to be set free, to be delivered, to be lifted up. And the, the number that God really laid on our heart when we started was 20,000 people. And it was never just about 20,000 people. It was about actually transforming lives. 20,000 for us was always just a starting figure because I figure that as long as somebody doesn't know Jesus, they're going to hell, and that's not good enough. And unfortunately, as Christians, we can sometimes live our lives like, you know, we've got forever to see people saved. It's all right, you know, we're going to live for a thousand years. Yeah, but you may, they may, they may not. You know, we caught up with friends the other day who are up for a funeral of a, what, a 24-year-old guy who was one of the guys that killed one of the car crashes. I mean, how many car crashes have we had over the last three weeks just in this, in this region? How many people have died? You know, we have a purpose in what we do. And that's that people may know Jesus because Satan is out to take people out before they get to know Jesus. And then they spend all eternity in hell. And hell is no party. I mean, the Bible describes hell as, you know, that place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not a good thing. And so we have a commission from God where he told us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. He told us to be his witnesses. He told us to share our faith, to share the the joy that we have in God, to share what God has done for us. That's what a witness is. You put a witness in the stand, what do they do? They, they, They tell what they've seen and heard. And that's all we're told to do is talk about what we've seen and heard, to talk about what God has done for us. You know, people say to me, I don't know enough of the Bible. You don't have to. You just have to know Jesus. And then tell what he's done for you. 
You know, if I have conversations and I quote the Bible 45 times, people stop listening. But when I tell them stories of what's happened and, you know, sometimes I share what, what, what you guys have, have been through and, and what's happened in your life, not confidential stuff, obviously, but stuff that is public knowledge. <coughs> Sorry, just joke on that one. But, you know, and as I share what's happened in our lives and so on, people get excited. And they start to ask questions and they sort of go, you know, God's real. And they become open to God doing something in their life. They become open to God moving in their life. That's how we all sort of got there, isn't it? That somebody shared their story. So we have a blueprint of having 20,000 people at least as a part of the South Central Church family. And we um, sat down when Justin Abraham was here and he really challenged us around some stuff and we gave back as good as we got and challenged him around some stuff, which was good fun. Um, But one of the things he really challenged us was around getting a blueprint for going forward from here. And so Dale and I really pushed into God and said, what is your blueprint? What is the plan that you have for this area for us as a church? And the one thing we really thought was, come on, work with me. Cool. All right, so our vision is 20,000 people. Hit it again. The way we thought of doing this is rather than, we really sat down and we thought effectively, because family is a big thing for us, all right? Our family is important to us, to Dale and I, and as a church, our vision was always to have family and to be family. And so as we went to God for the blueprint, the number didn't change, but how we did the number did. We've always had a vision for planting more churches. And, as, and really, the things that God's been showing us probably over the last 15 years really came together into this blueprint as God showed us that it wasn't necessarily 20,000 people meeting in one place, but to have hubs all over the city, churches and campuses right around the city that were all connected together. So we all share the same values, we all share the same culture, but how, those, how they work out will differ according to what area they're in, And to have 100 churches or campuses around the city that grow to around 200 people, which if you do your maths, that comes to 20,000 people, all right? Because it's much easier to connect when there's one or 200 people than it is when there's 20,000 people, all right? One of the things we really value is our connect groups because it's even us at this side is, is being broken down into smaller communities and smaller families looking out for each other, caring for each other. We want to really keep that culture, that value of looking out for each other and caring for each other to become the best we can be. And, you know, when you're in a crowd of 20,000 people, it's easy to get lost, isn't it? And we don't want anybody to get lost. We want everybody to be saved and to know Jesus. So our vision from here is to, to keep planning more and more campuses and more and more churches. It doesn't mean that Dale and I are going, oh, see you later, we're off to another campus. We're actually planning on overseeing each of them and looking out for each of them and raising up our leadership across this church and then across the next one. We're not asking everybody to go down to the next place. Okay, we're all going to go and meet down there. What we're going to do is raise up people in the different areas. So if we put a campus, say, in Armadale, you know, there might be two or three people here who go, you know what, we live that way. We would rather go that way because it cuts our travelling time down by half an hour. And so they might become involved in there and then we would gather people from that local area, the same as we did here, and we would start a new campus over there. 
And then we're going to appoint leadership here, we'd appoint leadership there, and then we work between them. And then we start a third one, and then we start a fourth one, and so on. And we just keep going and keep building because what we find is that a, a local church in a local area has a local impact. Because the culture in Hammy Hill is different to the culture in Armadale. It's different to the culture that's up in Whitfield. It's different to the culture that's in the middle of the city. It's different to the culture that's in Baldivis and in Mandurah. But we can still hold the same values and our key culture of family and connectedness to God while making a local impact in each area. So that's where we're going. It's not like you know, we're going out tomorrow, okay? It takes a good 18 months to two years to actually set up a new campus. All right? So you'll know well ahead of time what's going on and what's happening and so on. Okay? At the moment, our, our goal for our next campus is either probably, is about September 2017. We would anticipate having our second campus up and running. Or starting around then. Okay? So there's time. You'll hear that process. But a part of that is looking at us here and what does that mean for us here and where we're going as a church in this place. And one of the biggest challenges as we looked forward and looked over the next two to three years as a, as a church here, one of our biggest challenges is our venue. Because come the end of 2017, December 2017, this no longer is a high school. It, no, it's 2017. I checked it. <laughs> All right. So essentially, in two and a half years, this ceases to be a school and becomes a site for who know what, okay? And we don't know what our access will be because what tends to happen is they turn the power and the water off. They tend to build big fences around the site and it becomes difficult to get in here and do anything, all right? And we'd have to negotiate leases and it's not necessarily an easy site to secure while that process goes through. And so we really sat down as a board and we prayed through this and we went, what do we need to do to go forward in light of our new strategy of necessarily having 20,000 in one place, but of having smaller campuses all around the city? And so we explored and prayed through it and we really challenged our board around that. And uh, we came together a month ago. Give me my notes here so I can keep up with where I'm going or I won't follow my things. And we started to look at our uh, alternatives. The first alternative is actually say, stay here and just see what happens. That was a little risky, you know, because we don't know. And we could find ourselves one week here, the next week, loading everything into cars and driving off and wondering what the heck we're going to do with it. We looked at other school options. And the reality is that school options are really difficult. What happens here in this campus is really unusual. All right, we talked to, I don't know how many, we looked at countless schools, primary schools, high schools, and so on, and most schools don't like you using their facilities. Even though it's in their contract with the government that they have to lease out their facilities, they don't necessarily make it easy, or they don't make it cheap. All right, the setup we have here is really unusual. Most times you can't store, in fact, we've never been able to store our items on site, Usually you have to have a whopping big trailer and you have to load everything, and I mean everything, in and out of, you know, leaving the sound desk here is absolute luxury. When they said yes to that, I just about did a jig. Because you only have to lug all that stuff in and out. You have to do a full setup, and it actually doubles the workload of what we currently do. So we sort of discounted that as an option and thought we need to go forward, not stay on the same level. 
all right? Because there are no alternatives in that area at the moment. So then we looked at things like um, leasing premises. And we've been through this process before, so we had another quick look, and the story was the same. One of the biggest challenges we have is because we're a church, we're required to provide one car park for every four people. And it's not four people attending, it's the capacity of the venue. So if they deem, so for us, most of our venues require a capacity of about 150 people minimum, just because of what we do with kids and, and set up and things like that, all right? So then they work out how many car bays you need, and the reality is they don't build places for churches. So most venues don't have a car base. The sites that do have a car base, the cost is in excess of $100,000 a year to lease those premises, all right? When you add on to that things like, you know, $50,000 for fit-out minimum um, and then ongoing costs for power and so on, it gets a little bit expensive, especially since our turnover for the last financial year was $100,000, all right? So we discounted that option because essentially it's too expensive or not viable. <coughs> so the third option is to buy. And we went through this process a couple of years ago um, where... Churches of Christ WA, or COCWA, which is our peak body, um, we talk with them, and you know, because we're going through this process before we found this high school, and we're talking them through, and, and they said to us, I'll tell you what we'll do is, they said, we'll actually, because we couldn't find where, they said, we'll buy land for you, you put a building on it, and then we'll work out this repayment schedule that's a sliding scale. So we start off paying low payments, and then as we grow as a church, the payments increase. And we had this fantastic deal going, an agreement going, and then the guy who I made the agreement with, um, he moved into another area and was no longer there. They had some changing staffs, and their financial situation changed, and they could no longer accommodate us doing that. And so the whole deal changed to a deal where it came be, to be, if we bought the land, we had to buy the land outright before we could build anything. And we just didn't have capacity to do that at that time. And so essentially we walked away from that whole deal. However, the land still sits there, Cockwa still owns it, and we have the option to go back into that deal. So we sat down with God and said, is this where you're pushing us? Is this where we need to go? Because the capacity of that site is about 150 people. So if you're doing two services on a weekend, that holds 300 all right, And the rule of thumb is, and don't take this as a rule so you don't have to come to church, but the rule of thumb is that about 30% of your congregation is away on any given Sunday. You know, people on holidays, people not well, people having to work, people who are just too slack to get out of bed, all those things, all right? So if you had 200 people in your congregation, if you took 30%, that's about 60 people. That's 140 left every Sunday service. All right? It's just a general rule that you use, but I find it pretty accurate. Okay? So the site actually has the capacity for us to do what we need to do. It's located in Yanjaba. So we sat down as a board, we prayed through this, and we believe that this is what God wants us to do. That this is our next step in this process, is to actually buy the land, to put a building on it, and to relocate ourselves there. You can get excited about that later. Right, maybe I should make it exciting. What it means is you don't have to sit up and pack up every Sunday. <laughs> but 
but someone has to clean the toilets. <laughs> so Taj has volunteered to be our cleaner. Let, let me read to you out of Haggai. I, I was really going to God, and I like God. If, if, if it's a God thing, I'm saying, oh, God, speak to me. Give me something I can hang my hat on. Give me something in your word. And so he did. And he took me to, to Haggai. And um, Haggai is one of those prophets in, in the New Old Testament that you sort of, you know, literally it's, it's a page and a half. You sort of miss the guy, you skip through him, and you don't read a lot about him and, and so on. But he was actually a really influential prophet at the time. And I won't give you a history lesson or anything else, but I will tell you what God said out of it. At the time, they, the people had come back into Jerusalem, and the, the city had been devastated, absolutely demolished. And so they were rebuilding their houses and so on and sort of rebuilding parts of the city and they had their homes back. And, and God really challenged them and said, it's fantastic you got your houses, but what about my house? What are you doing about the house of God? And the response of the people at the time was, because it says it here, they said, the time hasn't come. The time the Lord's house should be built, it hasn't come. Which was everyone's excuse to say, it's okay, we're, we're building our own house here. We need to put our houses up and so on. And, and God really challenges me. He says, the word of the Lord says to you now, is it, time for you yourselves, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? In other words, hey, you're fixing your house up. Looks nice. You've done your gardens. You've painted your walls. You've got your wallpaper up. Silly people who put wallpaper up. That's just evil. That stuff's straight out of hell, I'm telling you, it really is. <laughs> That's why we have no wallpaper in our house. One of my daughters said the other day, I'd love to wallpaper my wall. I said, go for it. But I ain't going to be in the house when you do it. In fact, I'm going on holidays, and I'll come back when you're finished. Wallpapering is terrible. I don't like painting, wallpapering is worse. But hey, if you're a good wallpaperer, i got a job for you. But anyway, he says to them, look, you've done your house up, it's all good. But what about my house? Have you given thought to that? Because you see, we sort of get caught up in, in doing our own stuff. We get caught up in our own worlds, don't we, sometimes? And we forget that God has a plan. And he really challenged me. He says, it's cool. You've got your house. You know, you're living in a house, whether you buy, whether you rent, whatever it is. You've got a house to live in. That's cool. But God is saying to us now, it's time for us to build his house. All right? So he says, now says the Lord, he says, consider your ways, go up in the mountains, bring wood bring the, and build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified as the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. And he actually talks about how when you neglect God's house, he says you feel like you've, you know, you, you've, you've got this stuff, but it turns up being half of what you actually had. It's like having your pay packet, and it only goes half as far as it should. But he says, let me tell you right this, I will bless you. And in fact, he says, from this day, he says, mark my words from this day. I will bless you and return unto you whatever you give into the house of my God. Now, it's really hard when you preach this stuff because people go, you just want money. All you're after is money for stuff. Well, I don't know if you've been to McDonald's lately, but you know what? They want your money too. <laughs> I went to the supermarket yesterday with my wife, and we had this bus thing of groceries, and we went through the thing, and the lady asked me for money. I thought, how can you ask me for money? We just came to pick up the stuff. How rude of her. See, why is it you can talk about money everywhere but in church? So let's not be that sort of people, eh? All right? 
We'll get to the money later, but it's all right. Anyway, I believe we need to do this. We need to do it for several reasons. One, we need to do it because we need to be able to improve our children's facilities. We've got kids coming in from everywhere, all right? And at the moment, it's getting difficult to sort of safely contain them, all right? With our own facilities, we can purpose-built them to be able to be more effective in that area. We'd love to be able to run a kids' club during the week. You know, we pay, we pay just over, a little over $12,000 a year to lease this place on a Sunday, okay, the theatre and the gym. It costs us over $12,000 a year. To do things like kids' clubs during the week, to be able to run youth clubs and so on, we have to come and pay again. It pretty well just about doubles the figure to be able to do those things because of the time it takes, all right? Because you've got to add in your things like your setup time and your pack-down time and all that goes around that. The other issue we have here is things like security. It gets a bit challenging, especially in the evenings, because the lighting is terrible in this place. I mean, we can't even get enough light during the day, let alone at night. All right? We're seeing spirit school grow. We're seeing more and more people come into that. We want to see that's a real, that's a ministry for us as a church that really reaches out across this city. It's not so much about us as it is about, you know, being able to impact across the city and change people's lives. And we're seeing more and more people come to that. The point's going to come over the next year where they're not going to fit in our lounge room. So that gives an option. Do we come into here and do a whole set-up deal again for a Sunday night? And again, it's really dark out there. I don't know about you, but it's, it's, just, it's a safety factor. We can't control who walks through the site. And there are things we have to think about. I mean, it's nice to go, it's okay, God will take care of it. Yes, he will. But we also have a responsibility. And we don't want to open ourselves up to situations that are, are not safe. We want people to come in and feel safe when they come to this place. So by having our own facilities, we're able to do this. So what does that mean? We're calling it building the house. We have a block at 17 Simpa Road. I've got a pointy thing. Look at this. 17 Simpa Road, Nyanjima, which is round about there. Right now, we're about there. So it's just down the road. Literally. All right? That's Stock Road there, Beulah Drive, which I know you can't see on the map, but as it is. All right? So it's essentially down into that area. Everyone knows where McDonald's is on Beulah Drive, down the bottom? You go up the hill from there to the left. So the other side of the road from that, go up the hill. It's at the top of the hill. It's got a fantastic view. You can see the ocean. All right? If you stand on your toes, you can sort of see the ocean. It's even got furniture at the moment. Someone's left us a lounge and a washing machine (laughs) and two massive plastic tubs. I don't know what they had in them, but anyway. (laughs) They're being very generous to it. All right? So it's actually... Oh, hold on. Go back. Go back. Hit the right button. So this is the block here. Um, it's actually that one about there. All right? That's no longer vacant around there. That's all been built up into um, basically tilt-up concrete warehouses and things like that all around there. Um, so, yeah. This is a whole new subdivision going in over here. They're now selling, selling and developing. So it's all cool. So 17 Simple Way, if you want to go and have a look. If you want the washing machine, you can take it home with you. It's all yours. All right. We do some concept plans up. We already have zoning approval from the council 
Um, we've gone through all that process um, to great lengths. So that's all been sorted and done. We don't have an issue around that. We even have technical building approval for our premises that we've designed for the site. Now, understand, there's a couple of things you need to understand with this is um, what we're talking about today is primarily buying the land. And when we've secured the land, uh, then we look at what we do with buildings. What we need to do, the plan is to actually go to Cockwa, Churches of Christ WA, to buy the land off them um, and to borrow money to do that. So it's out of their hands. And then we have control over the building we put on there. So essentially we're taking them because they're financially constrained at the moment. So we take them out of the picture. We hold the title for the land and then we put what we want on there. And to give you an idea of this is um, throughout this year, there were a couple of places and one in particular. There's, in Gosnells, there was this, this great old church. It was about 100 years old there. It was a beautiful hall that they were giving away. And if we'd had the block, we would have been in the prime position to say, thank you very much, we'll take it. It would have cost us about 25000 20, to relocate it to the site, about another 25000 to fix it up so it's usable. That's a $50,000 building. It's not bad, yeah? All right? We can't do that at the moment because of the constraints, because we don't have the land in our hands. All right? So we will look at building options once we have the land because that gives us the options. So what are we going to do? I love the way that, you know, if you go through the pictures, you'll see the same people hopping up everywhere. All right, so what's the plan? The land value is about 520, it is 525,000. That's what they bought it for. It's what we will buy it off them for. That's the agreement that we hold, okay? So to purchase it, we need a $60,000 deposit, all right? We only need 10% plus a little bit of fees on there, and then COCWA will actually guarantee us when we go to a bank. So that reduces the amount of deposit that we need. Otherwise, we'd need at least 20 25%. Okay, so they are to help us out still. So we're on $60,000, and then we need to increase our, week, our monthly income as a church by $1,500 a month. We showed you the Christ for All Nations video. Since we started giving into there, our, our, our income as a church has doubled, which is really cool. All right? That we've seen that go up. We need to see that go up by another $1,500 on average every month to demonstrate capacity to repay the loan. All right? Now, that can sound like great big figures and really horrible, 60000 You might ask, what's the time period? How are we doing this? How are we going to go forward? Let me just get myself organized here so I can keep on the track. We want to raise the $60,000 by the end of the year. Now, that's a big figure. I don't take that lightly. Thanks, Ben. You can help me out here. I'll give you that one too. I need a bigger lectern. We can put one of those in the new church. <laughs> All right, now I can see what I'm doing. Let me give you the facts correctly. All right. So $60,000 by the end of the year, because we would actually like to step into the new year having the title transferred into our name so that we can start to work on the next phase. Now, this will require some faith. It requires some sacrifice. It requires all of us getting behind it and going, yes, we believe in this and where we're going. Because we can make decisions all we like as a board, but as a church, if we don't stand up and do it, it's never going to happen. All right? But we need to go forward. We can't just sit here and be a happy little family meeting here because eventually they're going to knock this building down. 
all right? They're going to put a house here and they may not be happy with us sitting in their lounge room having church. All right? So we, want to, we don't want to be sitting here, you know, in, in two years' time going, oh, man, six months' time, they're going to knock this place down. What are we going to do? We want to be ahead of the game. We want to step into that space now and be ready to move, ready to go well before they do that whole process. All right? We want to be doing what God has for us and preparing the way. So what does that mean, $60,000? Essentially, it's 20 people giving $3,000 each or 150 a week. Now, some of you will go, oh, yeah, that's fine. Others of you will go, you've got to be kidding. That's cool. We don't expect, I'm just saying this is what it looks like, you know. It could be selling item to give a one-off pledge. Maybe you've got, you know, we've heard of stories of people who owned a caravan, they owned a boat, or they had a second car, whatever it is, and they went, you know what, we don't really use it, we don't really need it, and so selling it and giving it into to churches for building funds. All right? Maybe you've got something lying around your house, do a garage sale. Connect group, get together and do a, a social sizzle of Bundings or something like this. All right? What we're asking is, we're not asking you to to put yourself into debt and to cause a whole lot of issues, what we're saying is have a think about what you can do to help us go forward. Because essentially this place runs because we all pay for it. Yeah? The cool part is that as we give, that God blesses us. I know that we can tell many story after story after story around the church where people are going, you know what, I started giving and this amazing thing happened. What I really don't want you to do is to take the money that is your tithe and your general offering you're putting in now and to redirect it into the building fund because that will actually cost us. We still have to pay our bills. All right? But what I am asking is to have a think about. All right? And the Bible is really clear about this stuff. It says, look, if you're going to give, don't do it reluctantly. Don't do it under compulsion. Don't do it because you feel guilty. Don't do it because the guy at the front talks about it and you think, oh, you know, it'd look bad if I don't. That's, that's the wrong reason to give. That's how you're feeling. You're actually better off not giving. All right? Because it just doesn't benefit you at all. It becomes a stress. It becomes a burden. It says if you're going to give, give cheerfully. Give with joy. Give as a celebration and give in faith. So don't feel like I'm pressuring you. What I'm saying to you is this is our reality. We have to do something. And this seems like the wisest way to go forward. In reality, it's just about the only option we have to go forward because the alternatives out aren't there. So it's like God's sort of gone, you want to be really obvious, guys? Here's the plan. Because we've looked at all the other options, that's why we end up with this one in the first place. The great thing is we now have capacity. Yes, it's going to stretch us. Yes, it's going to require faith. Yes, it requires us stepping up a level. But that's how God works, isn't it? You know, the Israelites are over there on the other side of Jericho, and they come to Jericho, and they'd, they'd been reasonably comfortable walking around the desert. Every time they had a hassle, what did they want to do? They wanted to go back to Egypt. They kept wanting to go back. We've got no food. We'll go back to Egypt. You know what they ate in Egypt? I had a guy talking about it recently. He says the sort of stuff they ate in Egypt was like eating, you know, what they call like swill, pig swill. That means they take things like the hoof and, and the head of the pig and make this food out of it. Not nice big piece of bacon, 
pig's hoof. This is what they wanted to go back to. They put the leeks and garlic in to try and give it some flavour or maybe to kill the flavour that was already there. I don't want to be a people that keeps going backwards. I want us to go forward into what God has for us. But what I find is anytime you say to God, I want to go forward, is that he then starts to deal with stuff in your life. And like with this stuff, he starts to deal with your stuff around money. You know, he says you can't serve God and money, which is first in your life. And you sort of go, man, it's not that bad to have money, it's just that which controls your life. You know, when we start to go forward, he starts to say, great, well then how about stepping into this whole building area? And I go, yeah, my first response was to get a little excited. My second response was, you know what that means? You mean Joshua, he's standing there looking at Jericho and, you know, God's saying, go and get it. He's going, yes, how? <laughs> you know, and, and when, when Joshua got the blueprint, he was out pacing. He was out there, he'd sort of gone away from the camp and he was by himself and he's walking backward and forward in the middle of the desert and you can see the thing was like, God, what the heck? Because Jericho was the most impenetrable city of that time. In fact, even now, by today's standards, it was impenetrable. It had these massively thick walls. It wasn't like he could bring out, you know, just call in a couple of B-52 bombers and take out the walls. There was no way through. It needed God to work for him. But you know what? They had to take the first step. And that's the cool thing with God as he says, when you step out, I'll meet you there. You know, it's like when we went to Europe. God didn't need to meet our need until we were in the situation. If we'd waited for God to provide, we'd never have taken the steps. When we started this church, it's the same thing. You know, we're sort of going, we had nothing. But as we took the steps, God's provided. And I believe that as we take this step, God will provide. But we have to take that step together. We have to commit into going forward. Because he hasn't needed to provide up till now. Because we haven't needed it. But as we step into it, he provides. All right. So you can give 5,000, 7,000. You can give 10,000. You can give 200, 500, or 1,000. All right. It's not about the amount that you give. It's about how are you and God and giving according to what he is speaking to you to give. All right? Love this saying, it's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. If someone's making 100000 a year, they may go, you know what, 10000 is no big deal, 5000 is no big deal. Or, yeah, it's stretching me a bit. If you're making 10000 a year, then 10000 5000 is a bigger deal. Does that make sense? It's not about giving equal amounts. It's about going to God and saying, what do you want me to give? We're going to ask you to to fill out a pledge form. We're going to give you a little card today and you can either fill out today. But I encourage you, if you don't want to, go away, think about it. Pray about it. God, what do you want me to give? Because it's not about equal amounts. It's about between you and God going, you know what, this is what we can give. And you can give it in one lot, or you can give it bit by bit, week over week, over the next few months. It's cool. However it works for you, whatever you want to do. We just ask for the pledge cards because it lets us know, are we really into this as a church or not? Because if we get like two cards back and there's a total of $1,000, then we sort of go, you know what? Something's not right here. 
And my first step would be to sit down with our board and go, excuse me. <laughs> Think that through. Because there's more than two people on our board for one, and we expect more than $1,000 out of our board altogether. Just letting you know, guys. No. <laughs> but we said, we said to the board, look, if we're committing to this decision, then we're committing personally to this as well. Each one of us is committing to give into this and to make the sacrifice. And as a board, they went, yes, each one individually, yes, we're committed to this. All right? We, we suspect there's about $4,000 out there already that has come in from another church. There, there's some gray around that, but we're pretty certain there's at least 4000 come in. We already have $1,000 in our building funds. There's 5000 So we don't have to find another 55000 plus the monthly income as well. So where do we go from here? We made up some pledge cards, which I'm going to ask my assistant here, Ben, who's been so ably assisting me. All right. There's actually two there together. What I want you to do is you can fold them in half. Let me show you this. Fold them in half. One of them I want you to keep. The other one I want you to, to give. All right? Because that's our information. We're asking for your name for a simple reason, is that if kids grab this or someone grabs this and writes down, you know, $100,000 on there, we know that it actually is not real. All right? We're not going to chase you up for your pledge. That's not our intention. It's just to make sure that what we have written down here is actually an accurate figure and something we can rely on because we will use this stuff as our planning going forward. All right? That's the only reason we ask your name. I'm asking you to sign it because it's your commitment before God. You see, when you give to the church, you don't give to the church, you give to God. So it's a part of your commitment to Him. It also lets us know that you actually filled it out and someone's not doing it for you. All right? But I want you to, to give us one. The other one is just your record to say, to remind yourself, this is what you're committed to do. What I usually do with that is I usually stick it inside my Bible. So when I wake up in the morning, it reminds me to pray for the church to pray for what we're doing. All right? We're going to give these out now. You can take a minute to think about it. You can fill it out now if you want. Tear it in half. We've got a little perforation in the middle. Chuck one in the offering, keep the other one. If you want to go home and you want to think about it, then do that. And I encourage you, don't make it a rush decision. All right? And don't put yourself into debt to do this. I'm not asking you to do that. What I'm asking you to do is, what can you give? Now, some people do this and go, you know what? I want to give $10,000. I know I only make 5000 a year, but I want to give $10,000. And so I'm believing God for 10000 so write it down. That's fantastic, but you need to know where that 10000 is coming from. I know God's got to provide. Now, that's the wrong approach. What God says is, as you make the sacrifice and give, then he honors taking care of everything else. So maybe, you know what? We're going to take out some of our holiday money and we're going to give that. Or, you know, I've got some savings there. It's my rainy day stuff. We want to give that. And we're trusting God to provide the rest of it. That's how faith works. Otherwise, you're asking the church to have the faith for you. Does that make sense? All right? Are we okay with this? Because it's really quiet in here. By the front row. <laughs> Are we all just frozen in place? All right, so I'm going to get Ben to give these out. Thank you. You have to do it with the, you know, the flair of an assistant. If you need a pen, Dale's got some. 
maybe stick some pens out. Are there any questions while they're going out? Has anyone got any questions? How many weeks between now and the end of the year? Time 150. Divide um, 3,000 by 150 and you'll come to a fairly accurate figure. There's 132 days. I think it's about 17 weeks. About 17 weeks at the end of the year. All right. How many pay weeks? It's about eight pay weeks if you do four, pay fortnights. You go fortnightly, you get paid monthly, then what are we, August? Four pays. It's only four months till Christmas, people. Sorry? <laughs> All right. The other option is someone's asked me about fundraising. If you want to fundraise, then go for it, okay? Um, what we really encourage you maybe as a connect group or as a some sort of group is to go, you know what, we can do this or we can do that and we can raise funds. We don't want to make our events, our messy church and so on, we don't want to use those for fundraising because our purpose behind that is to reach people. All right? It's not to raise money. And we don't want money to be our central focus as a church. We want the money to serve what we do, not us serving our money. All right, we're really strong on that, and that's why we really hesitated to step into this space because we know that financially it increases the pressure a little bit. All right, but if you want to fundraise, so if you're going, you know what, we get this great fundraising idea. Um, we talked about having a bingo night, just because you know it sounds like something fun to do. So we might have a bingo night coming up. Um, if you want to do a sausage sizzle somewhere, Bunnings, Office Works, wherever it is, you want to get few people together and organize that, go for it. Just let us know what you're doing. One, so it doesn't clash with what's already happening. And two, because we need to make sure you're covered by insurance. All right? Because we do carry public liability. We just need to make sure that you're covered in doing that or we need to contact the insurer and talk about the coverage that goes around that. So if you're going to do something, let us know at the very start before you start planning. All right? Because we have to check some of our liability areas and so on. Okay? Any other questions? You can ask whatever you like. Overwhelming. <laughs> All right, we're going to take up our offering now. If you want to, if you've already filled yours out, you can chuck it in. Um, I know most people will take it home, think about it. That's really good um, before they make a commitment. What we will do is. If you're going to start giving, and some people go, oh, I want to start giving when I get home. If you're giving to the building fund, you need to put, like you're doing electronically, you need to put building on there. All right? And what we may do is when we get those cards, actually send you just a little code because it makes sure the money goes in the right way because it all goes into one account and then we have to divvy it out into for different areas. Okay? Otherwise, it costs us a whole lot of funds to be able to create new accounts and stuff. So let us know. Make sure you put building on there. All right, you don't have to put your name on, you just have to put building. You put your name if you want. So it lets us know that it goes towards the building fund and we can allocate those funds there and they don't get caught up in the general funds and so on. Okay? Is that cool? All right, let's give our tithes and offerings. If you want to chuck your thing in, you can, or you can take it home, think about it. Is there anything else I've missed? Oh, you want to know sizes? And someone asked me sizes of the sort. The block is. Uh, 1,450 square metres. Um, so it's not huge, but it, it works for us. 
Um, seating capacity is 150 people in the main auditorium. Um, I think technically we can get 120 legally, but it has a capacity for 150. Um, it has a whole kids area next to it. It has a couple of office areas. It has storage space. It's got an open area outside in the kids because there's actually a, um, an easement on the side of the block. So there's actually a, a drain that runs up the side. So we can't build right to the boundary, which didn't concern us because we actually make that side part of its car park and part of it is actually the kids' play area for an outdoor area for them. Um, so that made the block slightly cheaper because no one else wanted it because they couldn't build there, but it worked for us in doing that. Um, I can't remember how many car bays, but you can do the mass four bays for every... We actually got a couple of extra ones in there. Um, and we're also exploring options, like across the road is actually uh, the railway line easement, um, and so being able to use some of that for parking to maybe increase capacity on the site, and even a community garden, potentially, and relocating a community garden to there um, as a part of that. So we explore those options as we go through the process, um, but we will keep you informed. Yeah. And we promise it'll be heated and cooled. <laughs> Heating and cooling. That's actually part of our deal was because the building that they wanted us to build on it, basically it was too high. And heating and cooling it would have been just terrible. It would have been quite expensive. So part of our reason of really stepping into this space now, buying it outright as, as land and then being able to go forward is um, that we can actually build a building, one that really meets our needs, but two that is actually more practical for our use, for what we do and to keep our costs down in that process. Any other questions? No? Shall we pray? All right. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are a good God and that, Lord, you have a plan and a purpose for us. Father, we thank you that we can go forward together. And, Lord, I pray that you'll put on our hearts what is of you, that if you want us to be a part of this, Father, each one, that you will just lay that figure upon us, Lord, that we can do it in faith towards you, that you're glorified. Lord, we just want to do what you want us to do. We want to be who you made us to be. And Lord, we know that money is a part of our life. As difficult as it is sometimes, it's a part of our life. I pray continue to give us wisdom to do that and to keep you first in every area of our life. Lord, I bless every person here. I pray every blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Amen.